0: This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto.
1: We're talking to the top seven candidates, the same crowd who appeared at last week's debate on Thursday, which I'm still a little dizzy from. Uh, Mitzi Hunter is here for her interview this morning. It's nice to see you again.
2: It's nice to see you again, John. Uh,
1: What is your take on that debate? Because if I may be frank, uh, there was a lot of yelling and screaming, and there were two exchanges which were not exchanges. There were two moments that both involved you. There was one with Anna Bylaw, one with Josh Matlow. (laughs) And I'm not sure that the candidates made a great impression with that because they just couldn't stop and listen to each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a heated debate. And I, I believe that it brought out, certainly from my perspective, the things that I'm trying to drive through in this election. And it is a crowded field. So we have to have... All of the opportunities um, make, make impact and make sense to the people who are not decided yet because they're still listening for who is speaking to the things that are important to them. Particularly with the Josh Matlow exchange, I wanted to be really super clear as someone who lives in the community that he's talking about that you know the the delay and and the blocking really This was the gardener uh, well this was this was the Scarborough subway, right and the blocking of that um, on an ongoing basis at council really delayed the investment and it affected the people in the community in Scarborough. I wanted to be really clear about that, and then in terms of Anna Bylaw and the gardener Ex- expressway, you know that her plan is solely based on uh, Doug Ford somehow taking that responsibility because she asked is not realistic. And even in today's Toronto Star, the analysis of uh, all of the candidates' finances really showed that it's just not not a reasonable request. And then if it's not, then her plan is a non-starter because her her finances depend on him doing that.
1: To draw on a childhood game we all played, is it really Olivia Chow versus the bunch?
2: it's it's definitely um, the concern and the risk out there because you know she hasn't come forth she hasn't been forthright or or transparent in her numbers at all just you know, saying that she's going to take us back to some sort of uh, budget of the past. And and we're not in 1990s. We are in 2023. We have serious concerns right now. We have multiple crises in, in Toronto. Homelessness, affordable housing. You know, I was out this weekend and, and a group of people said to me, food is a crisis. Food security, people being able to put food on their table. So, her approach is just not practical. And, right. And I'm speaking
1: more though in terms of the architecture of the campaign, because I was telling this story to listeners a little earlier in the show. I was at a party of very political people this weekend, and every one of them was like, well, I'm voting for Mitzi Hunter because I want to stop Olivia Chow. I'm voting for Anna Bailao. I'm voting for Mark Saunders. Well, if that happens, then Olivia Chow is going to win. Is there any way to shake up the architecture of this campaign?
2: I do. I I believe that people need to come out and vote. And I was encouraged by the early voting that it's up since the last election. And that tells me that people recognize that they have to get to the polls. Right,
1: right. But if they spread those votes out amongst the rivals to Chow, and I'm not saying that that is necessarily the overarching objective for everyone, but I mean, she's going to win, all you guys are going to place.
2: Well, she fizzled in 2024, was it? For, twenty twenty fourteen, sorry. Yeah. She, she fizzled then. Uh, didn't really get to the election day the way that the lead had given her. And I think that she's coming with so little for the voters to, to hold on to. And when they really take a look... I believe they want new ideas and they want someone with the energy and the experience and the plan to get it done. And I don't believe that that's Olivia Chow.
1: It's kind of a tough question to ask, but uh, you've read the article, Christine Rushaway writing a profile of you and saying Mitzi Hunter has this incredible resume, this incredible amount of experience as a consensus builder and somebody who gets stuff done. Where's the traction?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciated the headline that I'm a doer because I am a doer and people who have known me in politics and in business and in the work that I've done in community, they know that I need to have the people of Toronto see that there is a clear choice in this election. There's a, a clear alternative. We don't have to settle. We don't have to go back in in terms of you know the past. We can move forward. We can also right. we can elect someone for today and okay. for the future. But and Christine's that's
1: me. Point in that column was that you. I mean, you're doing it all right, but there the traction is missing. There's not a Necessary matchup between the resume and the, the, the performance in the polls?
2: Well, the poll that really matters, I know you know this, I know. John, it's the one on <laughs> June 26th. It's a week today, and I'm here to talk to your listeners okay. to say, Match up the best candidate with the best result on June 26th by going to the polls and voting for number 55. And that's me, Mitzi Hunter.
1: I think there's probably five critical issues, any one of which could be the most important issue in this campaign. But if you had to choose, what would it be?
2: I have to get back to affordability, and that is linked to housing. Everything that we have talked about it links right back to that, and I have the most concrete. And new approach, not the same old, same old. I go right across the city. I see lots of condos in the sky. That's helping developers. That's the Anna Bylau plan and the the Josh Matlow plan and the you know definitely the Saunders plan. We we still aren't clear on what the Olivia Child plan is or how she's going to pay for it. But I got to tell you, we have to do things differently, and that's where we have the city. Unlocking those public lands to build affordably in the city for the people who need to live in this city. Like my staff member, Daniel, who's on my team. He's Gen Z. And they don't even plan to live here. So what is it that we're doing if young people can't see themselves living in our city? We've got to turn that around.
1: Josh Matlow declared the day he opened his campaign he was gonna raise taxes, he gave a figure. Olivia Chow has said she's gonna raise taxes. Everyone keeps dogging her, she won't give a figure. You have given a figure?
2: I have. I've been very transparent with my plan. It's on my website and it's the three and six plan. So it's a 6% across the board, which is similar to what council has now at 5.5. And it also gives a 50% rebate to those $80,000 household income and less, as well as seniors. That's really important. Under my plan, seniors who have an income of $80,000 or below household income will not experience an increase in their taxes. They can either defer them or they're exempted at all together.
1: And is that 6% uh, your first fiscal year or is it an ongoing effect?
2: uh, I've actually costed out a three-year plan. It's pretty solid. The Toronto Star today, the analysis is that I have the most intelligent and plausible plan, because it is. All of the other plans um, are not holding up, and and mine does.
1: Mitzi Hunter is here, would-be mayor of Toronto, election day one week away. I don't want to hex you, but should you not win, do you have plans?
2: My plan is to invite me back to talk to you (laughs) as mayor of Toronto and talk about how we're going to fix the six and all of the things that we're going to do together. You know, I have that vision for our city, John. This is where I grew up. And, you know, I want to lead the revival of Toronto as a city that works for everyone, every part of our city, Scarborough, Etobicoke, where I spent a lot of time yesterday, North York, downtown, East York, everywhere in between. We've got to do this. This is our city. City that we care about but we can't go along with the same old, same old. We've got to have a change in this election and that's why I'm in the race and I'm in it to win it. I resigned my seat from the provincial legislature. I don't have an old job to go back to. I want to lead this city and move it forward, not take it back.
1: Thanks for this. Good luck.
2: Thanks so much I'll for having again me. again okay. Mitzi
1: Hunter running for mayor of Toronto. Pleasure to welcome back into the studio
0: Anthony Fury, would-be mayor of Toronto. Good to see you, sir. Good morning. Pleasure to be back. You still enjoying the campaign? Of course I am, John. It really re-solidifies and, and enhances your love for Toronto going across this city and, and meeting people all corners, all walks of life. It's a great experience. You should try it one time, John. No, never.
1: (laughs) We were just talking about this off the air, and I was telling you that I was uh, before that (laughs) debacle last Thursday night. For me, anyway, I really I didn't want to be there, and it didn't work out so well for me. Um, But the mayor, you were great, thank you. The candidates' debate. um, I looked at all seven of you and I thought, what kind of a life is this, where you, you know, like ten times during the campaign, you have to pile into a room and stand next to each other and then argue for two hours, and then you've got to go to a Rotary meeting, and then you've got to go to some church basement. I mean, uh, is the draw simply
0: that maybe you get to be mayor of Toronto? Look, and this is not just some campaign talking point, but John, it, it is truly amazing when you're knocking on doors and someone opens the door and says, well, well hold on, come in. I, I want you to meet my family. And, oh, we were just preparing lunch. Please please have lunch. And maybe you're like, oh, this is perfectly timed. I need lunch. Or you're like, oh, I just ate, but oh, they're so kind. and Really just lovely people who are opening uh, opening their doors and, and opening their arms to you, really. So it, it, it's a great experience, John. It, it really is. I just love this city.
1: You are one of the big stories of this campaign because you were part of the pack. I mean, there's 102 people people. people running, and everybody talked about the top six. Then it became the top seven. Latest poll has you in third place. What's
0: happening? Yeah, and I I think Lauren Bozanoff there on CP2 Forge saying just, yesterday, basically statistically tied for second and that I'm the one who has the momentum right now. I'm I'm the mover in all of this. So it's great. And and I think, John, really it comes down to just the hard work of getting out there and meeting with people. And also, as you know, my message is an authentic message. I said to my campaign team, if you didn't hear me talking about it on talk radio, writing about it in my columns, three months before we even knew there would be an election, I'm not going to say it on the campaign trail. Because, John, when I, you know, one of my primary focuses is I want to phase out these drug injection sites to replace them with treatment centers. I want to clear the parks. I want to help these people out, but I want to make sure that young families uh, don't have to scan the park first for needles. I know it's spilling over uh, into facilities in Scarborough, North York, Etobicoke, sort of the expansion of all of this. I did that press conference alerting people to how taxpayer-funded crack pipes are being distributed all across the city, and this is something that is authentic to me. We raised our family initially uh, just a couple blocks from Moss Park, and we've always been concerned about this issue, both that we need the compassion for people affected by the drug crisis, but also, John, uh, that police and health professionals, they tell me that the the cause of so many of these random attacks on our streets and public transit relates to that drug crisis, and that's why I'm forging ahead uh, on this issue. You know, I also want to hire 500 new police officers. Sounds like a lot, but it only brings us back uh, to what we were at 10 years ago. Now is a time for choosing, John. Do we want to look like they look like in Seattle, San Francisco, downtown Vancouver? Heartbreaking scenes, or do we want to say no? A better way is possible. We can fix this. And I'm the one standing up to put Toronto families first. It sounds like common sense, obviously, to get people, get
1: drug users off the streets, clear encampments, all that kind of thing. But, I mean, you have to appreciate, you kind of scare a lot of people. This doesn't seem, uh, you know, I was looking at the faces of some of the candidates, and it's not because they're scared of losing. I think it's because your policies scare them.
0: Yeah, it, it scares them to know that so many people are being attracted to my campaign. I got to tell you, John, uh, I saw one of those polls said I'm I'm at second or tied for second downtown, which one maybe doesn't expect from a more conservative-leaning candidate. But I think it's because downtown people, the message is resonating with them. I I think the message is resonating with people all political backgrounds, all walks of life. Because partisanship aside, we want our city to move in a more positive direction. So I am talking about making sure that those scenes of urban decay do not continue. And I think they will continue under Olivia Chow as mayor. I hope they won't. But look, if she becomes mayor, I think we're just going to worsen that direction. And I don't think we should also be talking about just finding more ways to uh, to take from the current tax base, take more money from people, erode the tax base. I want to I make the downtown vibrant again so we can attract business investment. I'm the only candidate talking about pro-business policies to grow the local economy for the benefit of all. Otherwise, we're just going to decay and erode. A couple of uh, minutes ago, we were talking with a professor from Toronto Metropolitan University who effectively said, if
1: anybody says they're not going to raise taxes, they're lying.
0: If this was not a mayoral election, then the same six, seven people showed up for job interviews to be the CEO of a firm that is losing money. All the solutions that they have proposed to to, fill, to, to solve that problem uh, would be completely useless, and be identified and told in point blank rate that you, 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 your solutions don't work, and they wouldn't be able to secure a job as a CEO of a private firm because the solutions they are proposing um, and to the budget deficit or the budget gaps, um, they don't work. Okay,
1: if you're not going to raise taxes, how are you going to fill that hole and balance the budget in the long
0: run? Well, John, I've said that property taxes are going to go up just below the rate of inflation so right. people can still get ahead in life. But that hasn't I'm, worked for the last eight years. I'm not going to create entirely new taxes. So the city councilors run against me. They voted recently to direct staff to proceed with a municipal sales tax, road tolls on the Gardner and DVP, commercial parking levy. Affordability, John, is the top issue, one of the top issues in this campaign. Right. We see the price of food soaring, it is just reckless and irresponsible to even talk about all that. You still gotta pay for those services or start cutting those services. Look, John, the budget has gone up by 50% over the past decade. And I say to people, do you feel like you're getting 50% more services? They say, no, we feel like we're getting less. So we got to do the program review, the spending review, before we even begin to talk about categories of new taxes. And like I said, we got to talk about growing the pie, pro-business policies, uh, working with downtown BIAs and other business groups and the Board of Trade to go and attract more investment to the city. Right. We've we got to look at the fact that every time there's a new condo built, that's $3,000 more of revenue. We've got to look at growing the pie rather than just shaking down taxpayers for more. But I'll come
1: back to the fact that we did this rate of inflation, below rate of inflation thing under John Tory,
0: and we are where we are, which is that it's unsustainable. And the budget ballooned much beyond inflation. So we've got to look at that budget there. I'm doing the non-core services hiring freeze at City Hall. So as bureaucrats, high-paid bureaucrats, depart for other jobs or retire, we're not immediately going to refill those positions. And every month, there's going to be a turnover of tens of millions of dollars. I guess there's a certain jeopardy to the fact that you seem to be tied with Mark
1: Saunders. So we have this juggernaut of Olivia Chow, and then the two of you. And a lot of people saying if you were to throw your support behind one other candidate, if you got out and threw to Saunders, or if he got out and threw to you, then maybe you guys could defeat Olivia Chow. Otherwise, it's going to be a nice place, but it's not going to be a win.
0: Yeah, I I came here to sell my positive vision, not to speak critically of another candidate. But I will say the numbers actually do show uh, that that only the second alternative works. That the sort of second numbers show that Mark Saunders supporters are quite supportive of me and would come to me in a heartbeat. Uh, But for whatever reason, it doesn't go the other way. My supporters actually wouldn't go to Mark Saunders. I think because I'm the one who's put forward the authentic, passionate vision about where Toronto needs to head, how we're at a time to choose right now. And Mr. Saunders, as we've seen over the past six weeks, uh, just announces things I've announced five days after I've announced them. So I think that's why I'm really the only candidate who will benefit from someone dropping out of the race and, and backing me. So I'm in it to win it and I'm looking forward to just connecting more and more. And, and you know, the pollsters were saying on, on, on CP24 yesterday that I'm the one with momentum. The truth is Mark Saunders has stalled John. He's at exactly the same numbers he was at two months ago, despite having a better funded campaign, way more media exposure okay. than me. Uh, and now we're statistically tied. We're up against the news, but one last question, which is my closer for all of the candidates. I don't want to hex you, but if you lose, What lies ahead? Well, I'm in it to win it, but what I can tell you is whatever happens, uh, my commitment and love and passion for this city has only grown the past few months. Thank you, sir. Thank you, John.
1: Anthony Fury,
0: running for mayor of Toronto.
1: We're joined in studio by Josh Matlow. He is a sitting city councillor, and he's running for mayor, and he's one of the top seven candidates. Nice to have you back. Good to be back. Thank you. I did interviews with all of the candidates on their way in. Now we're doing one on the way out. I wonder, has this campaign changed you in any way? Have you learned anything? Are you exhausted? Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes, and
3: yes. Um, I've learned so much from this campaign Visiting communities across the city going to neighborhoods meeting with communities and listening to their uh, Their focuses their concerns their priorities their frustrations their needs I've learned about the city to a depth that I had never done before and I'm so grateful for The relationships that I've made and um, you know, I know how to fight for people even better than I did before It's changed me in many ways Um, And I think most importantly It's taught me um, about understanding views in parts of our city that I hadn't well enough before. I think any good leader, even if you come into the office with, you know, your belief that you're going to do everything right and you know what to do, needs to understand other people's opinions and differing views and, uh, you know, recognize that you have to find a path with them. I'm very proud of the campaign that we've run. Uh, We've certainly set the agenda when it comes to the ideas that we've been debating. We've run a, a positive campaign. I, I'm, I've been very clear that it's important to differentiate but not to uh, deride. And ultimately, um, I feel you know optimistic about Election Day, regardless of yes, I'm a realist and I'm a pragmatist and I see the poll numbers and I'm yeah. not delusional. But that being said, it'll be interesting to see if how people have answered some of the polls, if that will be reflective in the results on Election okay. night. And I think that we, we could be up for a surprise.
1: I don't think I'm splitting hairs to say there's a difference between uh, winning against Olivia Chow and stopping Olivia Chow. Are you part of the effort to stop Olivia Chow?
3: I have never seen this election as a race where I am especially running against any other individual. I mean, yes, realistically, that's how elections run. But I've been running on... uh, a set of values and priorities that I was very clear about from day one. I have a very comprehensive, evidence-based, honest, costed, deliverable platform. Uh, in fact it's the only platform that has Kevin Page, he's the uh, the former uh, parliamentary budget officer of Canada, uh, he's verified that it makes sense, that it can be delivered, that it's right. costed, it's but real. do
1: you see an Olivia Chow mayoralty as a threat to Toronto? <laughs>
3: That's hyperbolic. I mean, a threat to Toronto? Like, I think she's a well-meaning person who, you know, wants to serve our city. I think I I, I don't like that kind of rhetoric. Do I believe she's the best option for Toronto? No, because if you look at her platform, there are at least $125 million of promises that she has not been able to justify. She doesn't show us how she's going to pay for it. She's not been up front about much of her... Uh, even agenda as far as her platform. Like, her platform's a quick read. So I I am concerned that we've had too many elections where... uh you know, candidates have come in and sort of said we're everything is going to be fine, and the streets are going to be paved with gold, and every kid is going to get a unicorn. And people sometimes buy into the idea of what they want rather than the reality of what they're getting. And um, it'll be interesting to see how effective Olivia Chow will be as mayor, given that her platform and what she's actually proposed uh, isn't very substantive in this election. And certainly, there are many commitments that she's made that she has no idea how to pay for. And uh, and I I think that's why she's received so much pressure to be more upfront about how she's going to do what she says she wants to do.
1: I know in your Intake interview, if we can call it that. We talked about the fact that, uh, on you know, occasionally you're not the most popular figure. You said it's not a popularity contest on council. But as mayor, can you draw a majority of councilors and get anything done?
3: Of course. I mean, that was never really a question, given that every mayor in our history since amalgamation. Has been able to do so,
1: and um, right. But it, some kiss ass better than others. I don't think Rob
3: Ford did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he was he was probably the most unpopular counselor uh, amongst his peers. I think you know the the honest reality is even before the strong mayor powers. There are already carrots and sticks that the mayor has under the City of Toronto Act that allowed them to get their agenda through. Uh, David Miller did, Rob Ford did, up until his his scandal, and John Tory did up until he left as well. So that has never really been a concern as far as reality. That being said, I've never sort of gone along to get along just to sort of get committee appointments or you know just to kind of get the favour of whoever was the mayor at the time. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that I haven't supported good things that they've done because when it's good policy I think that we need to back it but I've also been you know very clear that when I disagree with something when it, when the math doesn't add up when I think it's wasteful when I think it's wrong for Toronto I will take a stand and I I actually believe that that is the best kind of representation non-ideological, not just to serve your own self-interest, but to do what's right for the public.
1: Anthony Fury was on an hour before and uh, kind of pulled out the (laughs) flamethrower. But if you combine his vote and Mark Saunders' vote, there's not an insignificant number of people who just want us to crack down on the encampments, get rid of the drug and the needle exchange programs, um, hire more police officers. Uh, So that is popular. That is not necessarily anybody who was going to vote for you anyway, I suppose.
3: Well, I think it's actually really important to understand the root of that position and that popularity. I, I think it's actually very reasonable to uh, to say that tents are not the solution to homelessness and they can't be in the parks forever. I think it's reasonable to say that needles in parks and playgrounds are completely unacceptable. They're unsafe. That That is inarguable. The question is, how do we deal with it? And my disagreement with uh, Mr. Fury is that... He he'll he'll kind of scream into the air like this is bad this we're turning into seattle and Everything's going to you know chaos and anarchy and let's everybody get angry That's not helpful. Uh, I believe that the best way we can serve toronto Is identify the problems but offer realistic solutions and then be honest about how we're going to pay for it Mr. Fury and mr. Saunders, uh, will talk about the anger that we should all feel But if you look at their platforms, I challenge any reasonable person, including their supporters, to tell me, to tell any of us, how are they going to pay for their promises? They said cut, cut waste and stuff. But what? Like, what are they cutting? Is it snow clearing? We hardly do that well enough already. I've got a plan to improve that, right? So what are they going to do to do what you want them to do? And if
1: they can't answer it, they don't deserve your vote. Okay. We're out of time, but uh, have you come up with a favorite movie yet? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, that's, uh, well, I, uh, Reshmi, your colleague, asked me a couple days ago, and I told her that it might be Shawshank Redemption, but I'm also the kind of person who likes more than one movie because most, I think most people don't always just have one favorite thing.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, and it said in one resume I was reading that yeah. you're a former actor. What uh, Years ago. Tr- which would be an odd coincidence since Anthony Fury was a former actor. Yes.
3: Yes. And uh, what a stretch that we've both gone into politics.
1: There you go. We'll leave it there. Thank you. Good luck. <laughs> John, thank you. Okay. We'll see you next week.
0: You're listening to more in the morning on News Talk 1010. Toronto.
1: Brad Bradford, who joins us live in studio. Nice to see you again. Good to see you. What do you make of the aggregated polls, which continue to suggest you're, you know, like five to seven, maybe eight percent. But in spite of what seems to be a winning personality, you're not exactly winning.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, uh, as as they say, the only poll that matters is on election day. But look, there's a lot of noise out there. And I think it's honestly difficult for, for folks to sort of narrow this down. If you are not an Olivia Chow supporter, and I can tell you my experience at the doors and conversations with Torontonians, there's a lot of folks looking for a, a, a different option out there, then it is a crowded field and it's a crowded ballot with uh, 100 plus candidates on there. So, you know, depending on, you know, how you're being contacted, I actually haven't had contact from any poll uh, during this entire election. You haven't done any? I ha- I've not received one on my phone. Uh, you know, I just. Oh, oh you mean on. you haven't been polled? Yeah, I yeah. haven't been polled. And there's a lot. Of folks out there who haven't been pulled Um, and so I go to the doors and transit stops and main streets and I I hear directly from people and that's that's the endorsement that I'm looking for is from the folks at Toronto.
1: Okay is there not a disconnect perhaps then with whatever it is at the core of Toronto that seems to like Olivia Chow because I keep meeting people who say Olivia Chow is gonna destroy this town it'll be the worst thing to ever happen. Well still 35% of the population wants Olivia Chow and the next closest person is at 15.
4: Yeah I agree I, I think there is a bit of a disconnect um, I was at a, a Filipino event on, on the weekend, and, and there were two individuals talking with, with ethnic press there, and they indicated that they were voting for Olivia Chow. They asked them why. They said uh, she was the only name that they recognized. And then they asked, what's your number one priority? And they indicated keeping property taxes low. And my head just sort of exploded, uh, you know, and and I'm chuckling because um, I, I'm not sure if folks have really tuned into to what the platforms are, what the issues are, and what the leadership could look like on a go forward basis you know we've got whatever the balance of the campaign is four or five days to kind of continue to get that message out there and and the continued coverage uh, and engagement from the media is helpful I do think folks will tune in plug in in the remaining days here and uh, on June 26th there will be a decision about what direction are we going to take this city Uh, do you want common sense pragmatic leadership or are you looking for for something different
1: no matter what happens, you continue to be a city councilor. I mean, even even if elected mayor, you are a city councilor. So why not throw your support, say,
4: behind Mark Saunders and say, "I'll be a councilor; you be the mayor." You know, it, it's first of all since I'm, I'm on the show here, I, I will clarify. The assumption that everybody's support uh, automatically is marshaled over to one candidate is incorrect. Um, but that's going
1: to be a problem. If everybody it, votes for a, a different candidate to stop Olivia Chow, then Olivia Chow is sores.
4: It's a challenge. Like, you know, it, it, Rob Davis uh, jumping behind Fury this morning, for example. The assumption that all of Rob Davis' supporters, uh, whoever they are out there, that they all line up bef- behind Anthony Fury, uh, it, it's Probably not correct. I mean, people have, again, it goes back to the fact that a lot of these candidates are unknown uh, to the degree that Torontonians have been able to engage in this election. There's a lot of unknown out there. And so you cannot assume that consolidating behind one person, that all of your voters or your coalition of support goes there. That's just not the way the numbers break down. And that's not how Torontonians see this election. So I will be at City Hall either way, uh, on, you know, in the capacity of mayor or, or as counselor. And at the end of the day I'm here to collaborate. I'm here to work for Torontonians. That is my priority and fight for those issues that I've been talking about every single day of this campaign. And that's fighting for families and affordability, community safety, and unlocking the gridlock that's ground this city to a halt. And where there's opportunities to work together uh, with my colleagues, uh, you know, of course I'm going to do that. I've always done that. That's been my track record at City Hall, working with my council colleagues, working with the province, working with the federal government. And when there's points of divergence on that, Uh, We'll be going in different directions, and I'll be standing up for the values and principles that I believe in and for all the people that have engaged with me over the past three, four months on the campaign trail. If it is Olivia Chow, and I don't want to harsh you mellow, but if it is Olivia
1: Chow, can you work with her? Because it seems that a lot of the leftist city councillors are already clearing their throats, even though they don't seem to be, on my last count, all that numerous.
4: Yeah, you know, you can kind of see it. You, there's a, a bit of a different walk, pep in the step. Uh, with some of my colleagues at City Hall, they they feel like this thing's all said and done. Uh, look, you know, I, I'm not going to support tearing down the gardener taking an elevated expressway and ramming it down at grade through a new neighborhood and then ramping it back up to the DVP no way that's ludicrous I'm not going to support you know a 20% tax hike in the midst of an affordability crisis um, that's just not on for me I'm not going to support the idea of taking the bureaucracy and making it bigger to build more housing when we have the challenges of having among the slowest approval timelines in in the entire continent when it comes to housing so those are non-starters for me But are there opportunities to collaborate on on different things? If if Olivia wants to have conversations about how we can make life more affordable for people, how we can get them moving, uh, how we can make our community safer, of course I would be at the table to have those conversations and work for Torontonians.
1: Some of the front runners are on record, obviously, and they've named the price. Uh, Mitzi Hunter, Josh Matlow raising taxes, Olivia Chow raising taxes, won't say by how much. Uh, If I'm reading your uh, brief properly, you have said at or below rate of inflation. Mm-hmm.
4: Isn't that how we gotten the mess that we're in? Um no, I don't think so. I, I think that there are a lot of challenges where the City of Toronto has been left holding the bag for the province and the federal government. You know, our, our shelters have 30% capacity occupied by refugees and asylum seekers. We're a city that cares. We're happy to help out, but we can't hold the bag and pick up the tab. Uh, I make the joke. It feels like the federal government's taking us out for dinner and then walked out the door on the bill. And so they need to come through on funding for that. Programs like OW, Ontario Works, um, we administer the that for the, the province. But it's called Ontario Works, not Toronto Works. So we need to have a conversation about how we are going to be compensated for administering those programs. And, you know, at the end of the day, the fact that the ferry terminals, uh, that the washrooms aren't open while the ferries are running, that's not a revenue problem. That's an accountability problem. So I'd be, you know, ushering in a new era of accountability for our service, uh, civil servants, making sure that we get more juice from the squeeze and bringing practical solutions like open tendering to our municipal infrastructure projects so that we have fair, open, transparent bidding process for more workers, for more unions, uh, getting better value for taxpayers. We could save $200 million a year. No one's talking about that because all the establishment candidates have backroom deals with specific union leadership. I'm going to join every other municipality in the province that has moved forward with open tendering so that we can get double-digit savings on our capital budget. It's going to be a struggle, but uh, listen, uh, good luck. Thanks for coming back always good to be here with you John thanks so much Brad Bradford
1: is a sitting city councilor but also running for mayor Mark Saunders former chief of police of Toronto is running to be mayor of Toronto and he's back in studio nice to see you again
5: great to be here John thanks
1: how has this campaign been for you I mean I have to I I was just telling you off the air I was looking around the room the night of the debate and I thought first of all I'd like to be at home and I second of all I have to think these seven people would prefer to be at home
5: <laughs> well first off I'm not going to talk over you And, uh, (laughs) you know... (laughs) Everyone gets in it because they really care about the city and they want to make a difference, a positive difference. Um, you know, my journey is a different one. I think it's the best out of them all, which is why I'm running, and I'm sure they think the same thing, too. People have been waiting for this to be a bit more like a delegated
1: leadership convention and some of the candidates dropping out and endorsing, and we're getting that in drips and drabs. You can put on the headphones and listen. Rob Davis joined us this morning, former uh, city councilor pre-amalgamation, was running, suspended his campaign, and made an endorsement. People
0: are are sort of excited by the things that he's saying. There's not a big difference between what Mr. Fury, Mr. Saunders, and Anna Bylaw are saying. However, at the end of the day, the election is going to be a binary choice. Do you want Olivia Chow as mayor um, or someone else? And that someone else is Anthony Fury in my mind.
1: Okay, so he's endorsing Anthony Fury, but you were also name-checked in there, said there wasn't much of a difference between you, Anthony Fury, and uh, uh, Anna Bylaw.
5: Well, I'll agree with myself and Anthony Fury, uh, but unfortunately I think that uh, Mr. Davis could have made a better choice. I've been second uh, throughout this uh, journey as my team has uh, positioned me right from the start, and I'm looking forward to crossing that finish line. Okay,
1: there is this, and we were talking about this with other candidates yesterday, there's a certain jeopardy in there being this very concentrated clutch of people who are basically could lay claim to being in second place, in which case none of them are going to get out, none of them are going to hand off their endorsement, and all of them are probably going to lose.
5: Yeah, but when you're wearing the silver medal going for the gold, you don't give it to the bronze. That, that's never happened before. I'm certainly not going to start that trajectory. Listen, John, knocking on the door is talking to people. Uh, we have had a surge of more sign, increased calls to come in. Uh, our websites and numbers that are, 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 numbers are moving at a rapid rate. And uh, we've got a ton of volunteers now for this last close. And so I'm excited that the momentum, the direction it's going in, people are starting to listen to the platforms, more importantly to what Olivia Chow represents when it comes to increasing taxes by 25%, defunding the police, and of course, decriminalizing all drugs. Okay, you more than
1: any other candidate by my eye have really gone after Olivia Chow. I mean, your posters say Stop Chow. Um... But it doesn't seem to be doing any damage. Are you
5: overestimating her toxicity? No, we're knocking on doors. We're talking to people. They're getting it. You know, I had a couple uh, that said that they're going to be voting for her. The wife was going to be voting for her. And then the husband said, no, wait a minute. Did you know about the taxes? And did you know about this? And so because Olivia is not giving her platform, I'm giving her platform. And now that I'm giving her platform, people have an opportunity to have a more informed decision. And people do not want this city to look like Vancouver. People do not want this city to look like all of those other cities. We're at that point where we can turn things around and really make this a city that is the envy of the other cities, especially in North America.
1: Okay. Anthony Fury has been surging by saying a lot of things you've said, although he said it on this show, I think, yesterday. uh, I make an announcement, and Mark Saunders makes the same announcement five days later. He says you're cribbing from his campaign.
5: Yeah, well, that's nice from his lens, and I beg to differ. I come with experienced leadership. I've been involved in crime and disorder and all of these discussions for 38 years. Um, So there are similarities. I won't disagree with that. But I do come with 38 years in law enforcement, being in the corners, effective leadership, running a billion-dollar budget. So um, if we have things that are the same, I I certainly won't disagree with that. Uh, But what I bring to the table is uh, a whole lot more substance to getting to that finish line.
1: Are you marching in pride on Sunday? Yes. Okay. What kind of a reception do you expect? Because the the people are going to be split.
5: Well, listen, I I know that... that the genesis of Pride started with activism and I fully understand that, uh, but it also has inclusiveness as well. And uh, if I'm going to be mayor, uh, every journey starts with that first step and, and I want to make sure that every segment of community uh, has the same uh, platforms that I want to cover when it comes to public safety. I want to make sure anyone in this city feels safe. I want to make sure that everyone in this community has the right resources necessary when it deals with people suffering from addiction or whether or not people that live with mental health. and Last but not least, affordability. So uh, whoever you are in this city, I will definitely embrace, and, and I would never turn my back to or ignore.
1: Okay. But are you prepared to be heckled?
5: Yeah, I always heckled when I was chief of police. I'm heckled when I go home sometimes. Uh, yes, I'm prepared to be heckled, John.
1: I want to talk property taxes and other taxes if we're thinking of them. Uh, you have held, as other conservative candidates have, to the idea of uh, inflation, no more than inflation and raising property taxes. Um, that always sounds great, but we did that for eight years and look where we are.
5: Yeah, look where we are. We're spending $105 million on bike lanes. We're discussing the proposal of maybe heated bike lanes. We're looking at a, you know a uh, arts uh, uh, center when it should have been $50 million, making it $400 million. We have to be fiscally responsible. We have to care about the taxpayers' dollars. Right now, affordability is a big issue. People are scared, John. And if we don't address it properly, there are people lying on sidewalks. My concern is on them. I want to make sure that I do everything with the tax dollar and it's spent properly. You know, 72 strategic plans means no strategic plans. We have to realign our ship in the right direction to make the
1: city healthy again. Uh, we were talking about endorsements. You got one yesterday, no less than Premier Doug Ford. That could cut both ways for you.
5: Well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad that he is voting for me and I'm, I'm glad that that uh, brings in Ford Nation as well too. You know, people that care about the tax dollars, people that will fund the police, that do not want to defund the police people that do not want to decriminalize drugs and people that don't want their vehicles stolen but i'm coming
1: back to the idea that doug ford doesn't exactly sell well in the actual city of toronto so i'm i'm i think he's a powerful political figure but i'm just i'm curious about your thoughts on on him saying that's it i'm voting for mark saunders and that's more than him just saying by the way i mean
5: that is the premier endorsing you that is. Listen, I have a strong working relationship. If people follow my history, uh, me in a leadership position is always about the city of Toronto. I love the city, raised my family in the city, and I care about the city. And so any vote that I get is a vote in the right direction. And any vote anywhere else other than me, you're supporting Olivia Chow. And I do not want that consequence. Thank you, sir, and good luck. Nice to see you again hopefully a good seeing you hope to see you more john thanks mark saunders is
1: running for mayor of toronto and of course election day is coming on monday now a very fortunate development would be that there is a dog running for uh mayor of toronto and uh, that dog is actually live in studio with her human companion uh toby heaps is here nice to meet you good
6: morning john tell me all about molly uh, Molly's a rescue from Russia. She's almost seven years old, and uh, she's uh, taken to the campaign trail uh, naturally. She likes to give everybody the sniff test, uh, usually by going to the crotch. Yes, I've already received that
1: treatment, and am the only mayoral candidate who's done that so far. Uh, and actually, I did say, perhaps I'm overselling, can Molly catch a Frisbee in her teeth?
6: Uh, Molly can catch a frisbee. She doesn't often bring it back, though.
1: Okay, yeah, that's my problem. I can't play fetch with my dog because he's a terrier and he just goes and gets the ball and hides. Um, okay, so what what brought this on? Did you initially think? Because I thought maybe I'll register my dog to run, but then I looked up the rules online. and It said no, you have to be a Canadian citizen and you have to be human. <laughs> yep,
6: yeah, definitely. And and Molly is uh, she, she would be honorary dog mayor. And I would be human mayor. But the two things that really spurred us to run Side Inherited Molly from my, my mother two years ago. And so we go running every morning. Uh, in the wintertime, she gets chemical burns on her paws from the excessive salt that oh. the city uses. Okay. And so we did some research. We found out it's totally unnecessary. Most cities, Calgary, New York, using different, less toxic mixtures. And we also found out it costs Torontonians a billion dollars per year when you add up. Cars getting replaced. The gardener getting replaced prematurely. And then this, uh, this spring, uh, our daily running route takes us through Ontario Place and uh, and then we heard they were going to put up fences and block us out and that was kind of the last straw um, personally um, i come from a long line of rabble-rousers my great-grandfather uh, helped usher in the unemployment insurance and old age pension act and was a co-founder of the modern ndp party I was always going to get into politics, my, my father was a city councillor, but in a few years when my kids were older, but this, this was just one step too far and we couldn't sit this one out on the sidelines. Uh, we, we came late to the party, yeah. a small team, small budget, but we've got, we put some big ideas out there, including the only candidacy to have a serious climate plan, the only candidacy to have a serious plan on expanding the parks. And the only candidacy to have a serious plan to fix the, the city's budget hole, we've identified uh, new creative measures to target where the money is: luxury a luxury homes tax and a billion-dollar business tax that fits within the strictures of the provincial legislation okay. that could raise 1.2 billion dollars. Pretty year. radical thinking for a pooch. Yeah, but it, and, I mean, all, we have a good dog-friendly parks. We would be yeah, yeah. doubling the dog the dog parks from 73 to 150 to bring us in line with Calgary is uh, But we have we have full full policies. I would I would say when you look at our policies at, at tobyheaps.CA Toby you'll see they are they're, they're bolder and more practical than anything that's on offer and when you look at my track record um, most people come away after they watch the video at Tobyheaps.CA uh, is a, a pretty inspired Our videos got over hundred thousand hits it's the only viral campaign video uh, video of me on the Gardner Expressway on the Rolo, on the place. yeah. And we've uh, we've done we've made some big waves, um, and uh, we're here for the underdog. We're going to give the establishment a run for their money. And, uh, and you've a, spent money on this, right? You spent like twenty thousand dollars of your own money. Yeah, we've raised we've raised about twenty. I've spent about twenty, and uh, and we're we're doing a little bit more fundraising into the weekend. We find that this viral video we've made of me rollerblading on the gardener, giving the sort of skinny on how this presumably on a day where it was shut down for such a thing. Uh, yeah, the struggle, the traffic was stuck, so it shouldn't be safe. But the traffic was stuck, just like so many things in the city. So on a regular, ordinary traffic day, you're at, rollerblading uh, in the gardener in traffic at 5 p.m. Yeah, and so that's literally the definition
1: of crazy. I mean, playing in traffic.
6: Yeah, it, sh- it, sh- it should be if if it was moving, but it's it's, it's stuck, which okay. is a problem with so many things in the city. And so uh, we we can do so much. We could make Toronto the the green tech and finance hub of the Western world. And we've, okay. got, we've got big ideas. Uh, As, well do you thought. know if the Toronto City Hall is dog-friendly? I mean... Well, that's, there's a few things we'd have to fix there because uh, when we did go to register, they, uh, they, they were a little wary about Molly, and they're also wary about my rollerblades. Yeah, Well, she's a big
1: dog. Yeah. What yeah. kind of dog is she again? She's from Russia, I know.
6: Yeah, uh, she's a wolf shepherd, but she's all bunny
1: rabbit. <laughs> is she, well, she seems like a very sweet dog. People with uh, particularly good sound would have heard her drinking water moments ago, but now she's asleep on the floor. So, Molly, what's going on? Who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? Once again, no answers. No answers from a candidate for mayor. Uh, Well, listen, good luck with it, and thanks for bringing Molly in. I'm always happy to see a dog. Uh, Thanks, John. Toby Heaps and Molly the dog. uh, We're now down to 98 people running for mayor, because four of them dropped out, but Molly's one of them. We welcome our seventh and final of the front runners in the Toronto mayoralty race to studio, Olivia Chow. It's nice to see you again. Good morning. The newest polls seem to suggest two things. Uh, one of them is that you continue to be the front runner. Um, do you take any comfort in that? Are you counting your chickens? Uh,
7: no. I, <laughs> um, too early to count chickens. Uh, and uh, No, I continue to uh, connect with uh, folks. Uh, this is the Pride weekend, so tonight... Saturday and Sunday, I am going to be out in the village and talking about the importance of making life affordable uh, because it's really hard to live in the city because the rent is so high and T D C service is not the best. Um, the other thing I think that we can take away from the polls
1: this morning would be it seems Anna Bailao has pulled ahead in the second place. That would allow some people who would oppose your uh, candidacy to coalesce around a single candidate? Does it change the landscape?
7: I don't think so because uh, there are people that really support other candidates and uh, so you could look at different newspaper you can look at who is endorsing whom and um, I think people are beginning to think wait a second, we need a city hall that really worked for us. Do, who, who is the best candidate and I hope they pick me, and still by far, most people are saying, hey, uh, Olivia gets it. She has the experience, and maybe she would be the best choice. I I hope that's the case.
1: I'm sure you were not expecting an endorsement from the Toronto Sun. (laughs) No, no.
7: hail the chief. Yes, (laughs) yes, in their
1: editorial endorsement of Mark Saunders today, they write about you. We respect mayoral frontrunner Olivia Chow, a former Metro and City Councillor, federal NDP MP, who ran for Toronto Mayor in uh, 2014. uh, unsuccessfully. Here's the takeaway, though, because you mentioned affordability. We believe her tax and spend philosophy is wrong for our times and bad for our city when everybody is hurting from high living costs, which will only escalate under Chow when it comes to property taxes. What do you say to that?
7: I'm hearing every day sad stories or, or stories that are slightly hopeful, but really a sense of oh my gosh, my rent is so high. And this is the result of a decade of the government walking away from building any housing. And you're seeing it on the streets. You're seeing the massive homelessness that are, people are suffering. There are seniors that are living in quiet desperation, just scared, because they just got noticed that their building that they've been in for 30 years are being renovated and they are facing eviction so we have to as a city Build housing, and because we used to do that, we did thirty-two thousand units of housing in the times that I was at City Hall, and we have to start doing that again because if not, um, we can move people from parks to parks, and we could do any number of things, but it doesn't solve right. the problem.
1: Okay, but so I come back to taxes. Tax and spend, that is yeah. that is that is the cost of living as well. And uh, oh, yes, of course. It's a lock that you you're going to raise taxes. You're not the only candidate who admitted that. Mm-hmm. But by how much?
7: Well... A, a modest amount. and I What's don't, modest? Uh, well, I don't want to just pick a number from thin air because. Give me a ceiling. Well, uh, we need No to, more than. <laughs> did, did John Tory tell you that he was going to. He just had a. a no, election. no, but I objected it, when it, that happened too. Well, yeah, but in the last election, that was just like last October or something like that, yeah. he didn't say he was going to have a 7% tax increase. So the way that he, um, other folks. Um, um, that the way they did the budget for the last ten years has is res- backwards. Has resulted in TDC service declining. We have a one point five billion-dollar budget hole. You know why it's backwards? Because they just pick a number, and then what do they do? Then they try to stuff out all the uh, services in, in it. So I want to do a people-first budget, ask folks in Toronto what you need, right. then put it together, and then look at other source of revenue.
1: Okay, but why not contain spending and say, okay, we're going to have to balance this out somewhere. Maybe we do run a few less buses, but I can't. there's only so much I can tax.
7: Well, but property tax is only 30% of the city's budget. The rest of it is there are other revenue sources. Right. But John, we go begging to the government. No, no, no. Not just that. That's one you know, yeah. begging. We don't want to beg. We don't want to humiliate ourselves. We need a new deal that grows, a revenue that grows with the economy. No, forget about the, the yearly begging exercise, just humiliating. We're the biggest city in the country, economic engine. But uh, I don't think you and I are the ones that would go. Buy a home That is Very expensive I call it a Mansion tax A home When you buy A new home If you It's more than Three million dollars Say five Ten Twenty million dollars, you pay a bit more, and those people that buy that right. kind of houses can pay a bit more. But that's a special
1: assessment. We're still talking about raising property taxes. Yeah, yeah, on but that, that
7: generates yeah. um, thirty-six. That's about one okay. percent of property taxes. Okay, and then there's the vacancy. There's there are there are people, land speculators, buy up a building, evict everybody, and wait for the right time to build and leave the place vacant. In the middle of housing crisis, no, you pay a vacancy tax. It's going to be three percent. That will generate forty-three million. That's another. There's more than one percent there, right? Because okay. property tax. So you're going
1: when, after the fat cat and monopoly. Uh, well, yeah.
7: well, that's your word. That's your word. Oh, <laughs> Fat it's, cat. Yeah, the it's people a good that target. actually they they have the money, right? It's the two percent of people that buy the housing. They have the money. They can afford to pay more because people, ordinary folks, are struggling, and we want to lift. Them up to because look, look at the food bank. If you ask some of the people in the food bank, it's not what you think they are. They are business people where their, their business has gone bankrupt. They are families. A third of them are children. My God, children should not be subjected to. Begging for food and food bank.
1: Here's a key question for you. We are going to have to get money out of the province. You're going to have to do business with Doug Ford. He didn't just endorse Mark Saunders. He painted a picture of Toronto under Olivia Chow as mayor as an episode of The Last of Us.
7: Take a deep breath, relax, it'll all be fine We're in the middle of a campaign. That's what they say
1: before they put you to sleep. <laughs>
7: wait, wait. But Mr. Ford the day before said that, oh, whoever gets elected will we'll find common ground. Look, the Premier said he's for the people. He'll get things done. All right, the people are going to say to him, we need your involvement. We need the province of Ontario. We need the government to come and join us to help us out. And I think he'll listen to the So you can people. do business with him. Absolutely. We'll find the common ground that he's talking about and we'll share experience how we love the city and what we can do together. I am sure. I have done that with Mr. Harper's conservative. what is John Baer or Jason Kenney. I saw John recently at an event. We were reminiscing of uh, one of the projects we did together, which was the saving the Nahani River headwater. That became an National Park. And Mr. Harper went down there and did a big press conference, right? I was pushing him very hard to do just that. And we were able to save a a beautiful river of this country. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you. Olivia Chow
1: would be mayor of Toronto. Election Day, as everybody knows by now, is Monday.